Hi, good evening. Welcome to the second episode of the unofficial soundtrack podcast. I'm Austin. I'm Zach. Howdy. Uh, so last week we uh, had our inaugural episode where we uh, kicked off the series where we're trying to marry a metal album and a, and a horror film. And uh, we kicked it off by talking about John Carpenter because I think we thought that he was the uh, great kicking off point for that. Uh, and uh, this week we, we had a different challenge where we went uh, with a recommendation from a film that uh, Stez picked and, uh, and Zach found an album that he thought is a great unofficial soundtrack yeah so last week we we went a little bit away from the format just to kind of get a good baseline i feel like and with both horror and soundtracks especially i guess in the modern era john carpenter is a great place to start and um yeah yeah and so now, I mean, at the start of, at the end of last week's show, Stez, what did you pick? So I picked, you picked Evil Dead 2. Evil Dead 2. Yeah. So it's um, one of my favorite movies, which is why I picked it. So I, I guess I'll just introduce the movie a little bit. It's got a little bit of everything. Because it is one of the best, like, horror movies in my opinion, because at least for what we're trying to go after. Like, it is definitely, I think it was the, just the perfect first pick, in my opinion. So, the totally. e- yeah, Evil Dead 2 was a sequel to Evil Dead 1, obviously, but it was also kind of a remake. Because saying Raimi originally wanted to get, the uh, wanted to just kind of recap the original movie in the second one. Like, just quickly, just have a quick uh, flashback, essentially, of what happened, and they recapped it, but... Because they switched studios and had different producers, they couldn't get the rights to the second one, to, for the first one for the second one. So they were just like, all right, fuck it. We'll just condense the story, get rid of the two extra like teenager friends, and it's just Ash and his girlfriends. They go to the cabin, and then they condense the storyline. So that right when Ash gets hit by the evil dead and flies through the door, that's where evil dead officially begins. And that, to me, is also why I picked it, because I just love that quirkiness of, like, it's a remake, but also a sequel. Like it's so strange that yeah. never really happens. Like, kind of like what Robert Rod- Rodriguez did with uh, El Mariachi and a Desperado. Yeah, exactly. But like way more ramped up, and before. So, I have a quick question. Mm-hmm. In Evil Dead Two, you know the scene. I can't remember if, th- if this is right before or right after. Uh, Ash gets hit with the Evil Dead and he gets knocked back into the cabin. But you know the scene where he's running through the forest. And he gets knocked into the puddle, and they mm-hmm. have that really yeah. cool camera scene that like flips him around. Yeah. yeah, was that before or after the Evil Dead one? So I think that's where it gets kind of muddled, where they're kind of doing a little bit of retconning, where yeah. they're like, hey, "We wanted this to happen in the first movie, but we couldn't let it happen." There yeah. is definitely a lot of because that's what they officially said. Like I think I, I've mentioned the last podcast. My interpretation is that each movie, including Army of Darkness is its own universe, right? Yeah. And then we talked about a little bit of, like, earlier about Army of Darkness, how the beginning is very, is kind of different from the yeah. end of Evil Dead 2, even though 2 leads to Army of Darkness. Totally. Like, I watched Army of Darkness and Evil Dead 2 back-to-back. I watched Evil Dead 2 and then went straight into Army of Darkness because I couldn't get enough of Evil yeah, Dead 2 because exactly. it's a great movie. But 
Um, yeah, with Army of Darkness, it does start off a little bit. And I think they use the same footage even from Evil Dead 2 at the very beginning of Army of Darkness. But then instead of him being kind of hailed, he gets just kind of taken away in chains mm-hmm. and he's about to be executed at the beginning of Army of Darkness. And Army of Darkness is a very different movie. Oh, yeah. From Evil Dead 2 as and well. That's why I kind of I love this series so much because each movie just builds on the other one. Like the first one is a legit horror movie. You watch the first one, it's like almost a snuff film. Like it's very yeah. dark. And then like you look at the like behind the scenes, like San Raimi and Co. Like they put so much blood and like work and like they froze their ass off trying to film this movie. Like it's yeah. a filmmaker's film. And then like Stephen King fucking loved the movie, and that's why he helped actually produce like the second one. He helped help get the funding for oh, the second one. I didn't one. know he had yeah. anything to do with. He loved. He he yeah. didn't like. He wasn't like a producer or anything, but he helped get funding for the movie. Because he loved Evil Dead 1 so much. So I was thinking about this too when I was rewatching Evil Dead 2. Was there another Cabin in the Woods horror movie before Evil Dead 2? That I don't think so. Like I, I, I was also trying to figure that out too, but I think it is the first one. There, I'm sure there is probably some 50s yeah. horror movie that Sam Raimi is like, because that always tends to happen to horror. They just take inspiration. Yeah, he so. has some knowledge of some movies. Mm-hmm. And even Stephen King, like he, yeah. he's not wholly original himself. He takes inspiration from just old folklore. I mean, like a lot of the stuff from like it or like just stuff in Maine, he's taken just from stuff that's happened around the, the area and historically. But, um, well, also, what did you think of Evil Dead? Because you have not seen, or Evil Dead yeah, two, this was two your first time one. seeing Evil Dead two, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, was it two days? No, crap. Last night, right? I think I watched Evil Dead two last night with the wife. And yeah. um, <laughs> no, no, two days, two nights ago, two nights ago. Yeah, sure, two nights. Ago. Oh, that's right, two nights ago. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I mixed feelings about it to be honest. Um, I think I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, I think Mary kind of put it in the best context and once you realize that it's not a horror film that's trying to scare you like you know the grudge or one of those types of movies when you accept that it's not that type of horror movie you you then appreciate it and have more fun with it and i think it took her a good 15 to 20 minutes for her to go oh that's why it's so cheesy you know like or that's why they do this like it's it has a completely different tone um and uh it is for somebody that's not into that type of film or that you watch it a lot, it does take you a little while to get used to it, right? Because it's a lot of over-the-top stuff. Um, Especially because you've never seen the first one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just jumping in Evil Dead 2, you know, zero context. It was just like thrown into the story, right? And, um, and it really, it goes full speed. Yeah, from, exactly. From the yeah. first From frame. the get-go, the movie just goes, all right, and the second character in the movie is already dead. You know, it's like it's super high speed. And, and um, I as a as a film, I enjoyed it. Like I appreciated a lot of the aspects. I mean, I think Stez, we were talking about it a little bit without getting too much into it. But, mm-hmm. you know, the makeup design, the I mean, a camera stop, work, stop motion, stop effect, motion, practical like, effects, there's so mm-hmm. many cool things that do really, really well. The only thing is, I think after that movie ended, I think I told Stefan, I was like, I, I don't think I'm really into horror films. <laughs> <laughs> like, Look, what do you mean? It's, it's kind of strange. Um, I I don't know. I really don't know. And maybe the more we watch them, yeah, the I, more I think I will appreciate. I think that will change because the aspect of horror is so broad. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's a good point, right? Lighthouse is considered a horror movie, 
which I do not which consider. Which is really it a, weird. Yeah, I do not consider it, but people consider it a horror movie. Yeah. It's just kind of like a subversive thing. Exactly. It's exactly. From it's a lot of subversive, yeah. other. I, I think it's just going to take me a little bit uh, a little bit to get in the groove. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that. right now, the way like my life is, I think I still view uh, a lot of film as, as an entertainment medium. And so a lot of the stuff I currently watch are things that I, I need to be immediately entertaining, right? So it's something funny or something super action-packed or whatever. So some of these more highbrow type of work, I think I just need to get back into it mm. to 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 enjoy it a little bit more. Um, and that's kind of like like watching that movie took a little bit of work, I, I guess is mm. the best way to put it. Yeah, movies are definitely made differently now from <laughs> Evil Dead. <laughs> yeah. that's Even though it's, it is, you can kind of tell that it is this pretty low budget film but it's made by a guy who clearly has a vision but he wants to do some weird shit with it yeah. too and that i feel like the camera the camera work in that huge role in it too like too. even in that scene we were talking about earlier where ash falls in the puddle and there's a really cool camera sequence yeah. where it's mm-hmm. just basically being dropped from the top of a tree all the way down and spinning spiraling down yeah. and then you were talking about this earlier austin the where ash is running through the house Dude, and that's my favorite scene, favorite scene too yeah. man. That, and the camera is just following him the entire time and it's running too it's yeah. not a steady cam or anything mm-hmm. it's literally just somebody running after and ash. the doors get knocked down and yeah. he's like closing do- I, Dude, I, that, that felt like a dream like a nightmare mm-hmm. right like it felt like you were like oh. you couldn't run away from what he was, what was chasing you. It's terrifying. That's why that's like it's one of my favorite movies. The camera work on that it, it sticks with me. Like when I pick up a camera, the first thing I do is, you know, because like yeah. it's just that's such a cool looking like it's just visually it's such a cool concept. Like using the camera as the villain essentially, or yeah, as the, yeah, yeah, the aspect. And that's you that never see it. exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's I just I love that aspect of it and. Like what I was saying earlier, what you were saying, how you going into Evil Dead 2 without seeing Evil Dead 1 and like, oh, this is a comedy. It goes back to what I was saying, how the, the each movie just builds on each other. It's like the uh, first one, this is a horror movie. But then I feel like Sam Reed was like, I feel like I could have done a little bit more with that. I want to get like weird and get creative. Like, let, let's kind of push it. And then they're like, oh, shit, like this works. Well, yeah. let's see how far we can go with it. And in the army dar- darkness and like, maybe that's a little too far. Like, Dude, the hands, this is not a horror movie. The, the scenes with the hands, I think me Incredible. and Mary love that. It was yeah. just just really well done. Right. It's a little slapsticky. Yeah. It's a little it's a little goofy. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like it's kind of terrifying. Like, what if a part of your body was possessed? It's right? evil. Yeah. yeah. And you have to, like, get rid of it. And then it's got its own mind. And it's and you can see so many things that after that movie that kind of took that element and, and it's it's really interesting we, we really like that and then that scene where everybody was just laughing all the stuff That's was laughing and going up and down the that's laughing i was that reminds me of a nightmare it, dude oh like, really yeah that to I me see, is like a I dream like, i didn't take it like that once everything started laughing i could not stop laughing i was laughing with them and mary was like what the fuck is going on and i'm sitting there just dying hysterically because i really thought it was really funny it's hilarious yeah it's, it, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's absurd it's because it starts with the stuffed buck head mm-hmm. and oh, it, it yeah. looks directly at us zoom in on it and with the, the dutch angle oh god 
And then Love Ash the camera is, work of this one. Yeah. Ash is the last one to start laughing. Yeah, too. and then the way he starts jumping up, like, like going, yeah, crouching yeah, up and yeah, down, yeah, and then the can again the Dutch tilts, and then ah. Uh, Bruce Campbell close up. Uh, his physical acting, his slapstick oh, acting yeah, really is, good. especially with the hand scene, mm -hmm. but with Very everything physical comedy. Like Did they yeah. speed up stuff too because it almost oh, sure. looks like um, you know, when you watch. Like Three Stooges uh, or something. Yeah, yeah. Older stuff. They they realize that when you speed things up, it looks exaggerated. Oh, so I'm, it looks kind of funny. Would not it would not surprise me. And it seems like they all, did the yeah. same thing. Like like when he was uh, running into the house to get no, into the cabin to get the chainsaw or the hatchet or something. I don't remember. But there was a scene where he was like, "I need to go to the shed." And he was like, "Oh, the shed." Yeah. And I think it was to go put the head that bit his hand mm. into, into a vice grip. grip, right? Yeah. And I think he was like falling over the trackings and stuff, and it was like it. It honestly looked like an old 1940s reel mm -hmm. or whatever. Cause it was like kind of double speed or 1.5 speed. And it was like. It was part of the frame, the, the, the FPS, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah they yeah. probably changed it to the older. The, the, it's fun, yeah. Just slower or is it faster? Like, is it the lower FPS or is it higher? I can't remember. I <laughs> I'm sure it was lower, but yeah. But that's why. Like, yeah, no, it's lower because less frames and more choppy and kind of quicker looks, right? Oh, yeah. Maybe. Or, it's yeah. So, yeah. It's a lot. It's, yeah. Um, the, and then going back to the whole camera is the villain thing. When you said that, the, you know what the first thing it reminded me of? The, the lost smoke monster. Honestly, that kind of came to my mind too. Yeah, yeah. because because the, the first couple oh, times from, the smoke okay. monster and lost the when uh, first times it like chases the people. Mm -hmm. It kind of it's like the camera is the villain, and, and it took us a while to re realize it was even the smoke. And then I don't, I don't remember they were in purgatory or some shit. So, yeah. anyways, lost they, they, way over. Lost explained it. Like Evil Dead never explains it. Yeah, even in awesome. Ash, Ash versus Evil Dead, they never fucking explain. They bring it back, but they never fucking delve any deeper than fucking. But the, the fact that they the scream when they second see movie it. Goes. The fact that they scream when the they reaction, see it is like, like what the fuck what, is it? When Ash is like frantically closing doors, and he's just like, you know, you can see like the panic in his eyes. It's just like, what is this fucking creature or you know spirit that's chasing after him? Yeah, a lot of the ghosts in Evil Dead too are not shown other mm -hmm. than the grandma in the cellar and the gigantic tree monsters yeah, uh -huh. and yeah. the people who do get possessed like the mm. the, the fucking the deadites the girlfriend out, and yeah. the fucking the guy in the overalls who's real dumpy and mm -hmm. gets possessed and then ash himself he gets possessed yeah ash gets yeah. yeah yeah that's crazy man so the whole the villain is the, the camera is the villain thing does kind of go back to John Carpenter in the opening of Halloween. Have you seen Halloween recently? Mm -mm. So the opening is young. Um, yep. Uh, the, Michael the first, Myers, like seven minutes or so. POV of Michael Myers is a kid walking in, and, like sees his sister like putting on makeup or whatever. And she's like, "Oh, Michael, what are you doing here?" And then. Eh, eh, eh. And then he's the stabs her. Yep. I mean, that's Tycho, but <laughs> he's, and he's just a stabs her. But you see, like, him stabbing her. Dun, 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 yeah. dun, dun, dun. Does that song come on in that part? I I don't I think that's right after. Intro. Yeah. I think during the actual scene, there's no music. Oh. Yeah. Because it cause does that, and it cuts like, yeah, right. It's the POV, and it's really haunting. Like, I love mm. That's such a good opening. Yeah. Like, so, you have the villain's POV. So, what, what genre of. What subgenre of horror do you kind of put Evil Dead to? Is there because I, I think it's I don't know if that's the one that started it, but I feel like it's not un completely unique, right? I feel like there is a subgenre that has these kind of comedy elements of a horror, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Cabin in the Woods is I mean the prime example, but 
it's essentially paying homage to all, I mean, all those types of movies. I mean, comedy and horror have always... It's it's a fine line between comedy and horror, right? And I think that's why like, Jordan Peele has a good uh, um, track... Or, like, a good career in horror because there's they're very similar. Mm. And it goes back... To, even back in, like, when horror movies were started creating in the 1930s or the Universal Monsters, they had Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein and Dracula. Like, and some yeah. of those movies were actually... Had really, like impactful scenes like they're actually scary and intense mm. and it's an it's starring abbott and costello like you would not think it but someone like actually very like very scary like stuff that you wouldn't think came from an abbott and costello crossover with dracula that mm. is like what you actually think of dracula you know what i mean a lot of those stereotypes came from those movies it's, it's really interesting it's kind of interesting looking back on it too now i mean even when i was a kid in the 90s and I would watch like Creature from the Back, the Black Lagoon. Mm-hmm. There's a certain mm-hmm. level of cheese and camp that goes mm-hmm. into That's it, and part of it is just because it was made in the 30s or the 40s or the 50s, where they didn't have the the effects or the technology to really put into it to make it look really convincing. But it did shock people at the time. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know. There were probably some people who would watch Creature from the Black Lagoon or like even Frankenstein mm-hmm. from, you know, the 30s and think, oh, this is this is a joke. Like there there's clearly something here that might scare some people. But it, at the end of the day, it's a guy in a rubber mask. Yeah. And exactly. in like as much as we think like people in the past are stupid, they weren't. Like they're just they were just as you know yeah, they will be able to see people. past that yeah exactly so that that is really interesting but I do think like like the I think why movies like Evil Dead have always just existed because we always just I think everybody has that no well, not everybody but most people have a nervous tick where they get nervous they laugh you oh, kind of get fear you kind of you get you get uncomfortable you laugh. And then, so when something comedic happens, you laugh even more. It becomes even funnier, right? Interesting. So you're it, like it's. Yeah, so part of that has to do with that. It's all kind of connected in yeah, a way. And right? I think well, that's a really psychologically. Cool I think that's a good segue into metal too, mm. because I've been around countless people where I've tried to show them metal, and they're not necessarily into metal, and their first reaction is to laugh at it. Mm. And I don't think it's necessarily because they think it's a joke. It's just right. because it's something different and that's they're that, uncomfortable that's that nervous yeah. tick that Stefan yeah. was talking about and i think that's a really really interesting point um let's take a quick break and then uh, when we get back we're going to talk about the album that zach picked uh and then really dive into kind of the the relationship between the the, the music and the, and the film the synergy the synergy all right see you after we refill drinks <laughs> was uh getting into uh to the relationship between horror and and metal again and i think it was a great segue 
into what the challenge was from last week to this week. And Stez picked Evil Dead 2. And Zach had about a week to, to brainstorm what album well, best... A little less than a week. A little less than a week. Uh, to best uh, accompany, accompany or yeah. compliment uh, the, the film. And he picked... I picked Them by King Diamond from 1988. Hell yeah. So um, I'm going to let Zach talk a little bit about the album, and then I really want to hear what Stez thought about how it mirrored or married with the film. Okay. So just to give a little bit of backstory, King Diamond is made up, number one, it was started by Kim Bendix-Peterson who is a Danish singer, keyboardist, guitarist, who started off in Merciful Fate, who was a big player in the European metal movement of the early 80s, along with Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and Saxon and all these other bands, a lot of whom were from England. But Merciful Fate was made up primarily of guys from Northern Europe, specifically Denmark, Germany, I think one of the guys was from Sweden too. But anyway, their sound kind of centered a lot around what you might hear from early Iron Maiden, but their lyrics were a lot more satanic. And that's one of the things that set them apart as well as King Diamond's very dynamic vocal range. He he really went up there to the... Very high falsettos, in it's addition amazing. to some of the lower aspects that you might hear in the voices. Well, kind of like Rob Halford did with Judas Priest, too. But he rolled up the camp quite a bit. And in, I think, 1986, King Diamond kind of split away from Marcel Fate and put out his first solo album with his own band. And Them was actually the third album that King Diamond, the band, actually did. Um, Abigail was from 1986, 86 or 87. And a lot of people actually consider Abigail to be the classic King Diamond album. And it was the first where he wrote all the lyrics and they were all based on this concept of having kind of a horror movie background. So Abigail and okay. Them, which is the album that I picked for our purposes here today, are both centered around narratives that King Diamond himself wrote. Mm. And both of them were basically fictitious horror. Abigail was centered around um, just ghosts in a family of like a 19th century colonial family in America. But Them is really entertaining. And it's actually one of the reasons that I picked it over Abigail, because it was a really tough choice. And also, before I get a little bit more into this, I also want to talk a little bit about what I considered other than King Diamond for this, because I was listening to a lot of Iron Maiden in addition to early thrash, like Megadeth mm -hmm. and Metallica, um, and also really early death metal, like Possessed and Deicide, because it has this kind of self-awareness to the music yeah. where um, a lot of the lyrics are intentionally over the top, but the musicianship is really top-notch. And you see that across the board with metal, but especially with new wave of British heavy metal and thrash and early death metal. But anyway, getting back into them, 
by King Diamond. The main narrative is that you have this guy who's named King, believe it or not. And he's the protagonist of the story. And at the in the first song, you get a little bit of narration. And King is with his mom and his sister, who's a little bit older than he is. And they live in this creepy house in, in the country in God knows where. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And so they go and pick up their grandma, who has been in a mental asylum for <laughs> God knows how long. And they bring her back to this house. And as the album goes on, the story starts to unfold, where King discovers his grandma upstairs in the attic, communing with what he thinks is just nobody. He goes into a room, and he sees his grandma talking to what he thinks is herself. But eventually, he sees a bunch of teacups floating in the air. And then his grandma invites him in to have some tea with her. And eventually, King gets intoxicated by this key, by this tea. And he starts to see the ghosts, who are them in this story. And as the story goes on, King's grandma gets King to bring his mother into the whole story. And they take a little bit of her blood and mix it in with the tea. And that intoxicates them even more. Eventually, they burn their sister, and she's dead, and the mother's dead, and the grandma's dead, and it all kind of culminates at the end to King being found out at twilight by the police and taken away into an asylum of his own. So, on top of that whole story, you have this, what I think is pretty fucking amazing musicianship by Pete LaRock. No, no, no. Pete Black and Andy LaRock. Andy LaRock was also in Death, who is one of the most important death metal bands and honestly the most important metal bands of the 80s and 90s, as well as At The Gates. And they had the twin guitar sound of 80s heavy metal Mm -hmm. in addition to this really interesting and tight kind of melodic musicianship within metal, too. And I think that's one of the things that sets apart King Diamond from their peers of the time is that you can tell that he's really going for like these tight songs with these very over the top guitar solos too. Mm. So, and we were talking a little bit about this before with um, Evil Dead is when you first hear King Diamond sing, a lot of people's first reaction is just to laugh at it. I can see that. Yeah, that makes sense. And honestly, it is really funny. Right. Yeah. 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 It's, it's almost comedic, right? I yeah. Because of how high and like how like it's just. It's it sounds also, like he's trying to be a witch, right? He's like. Exactly. I mean, he's it's wailing. Yeah. yeah. Like it's. Yeah. Oh my God, it's impressive. But sorry, yeah. go, go ahead and finish before I start talking. But that's just another part of the technical aspect showcasing what they can do and like pushing the limits right and i think that's one thing that evil dead 2 does and what a lot of horror movies do too but Mm -hmm. evil dead 2 is kind of like a watershed moment and king diamond i think was also a watershed for metal they took what iron maiden was doing and just rammed it way the fuck up Mm -hmm. i mean he fucking with a lot of his albums just 
basically created an entire subtext of horror on yeah. top of it too. So Stez, what did you what did you think, man? So I guess I'll start off saying like just by definition alone, I love concept art albums. So mm-hmm. like yeah. I immediately was just like, oh fuck yes. <laughs> like I'm totally into this. And then I hit play and I was just like Oh, that's why Zach picked this. <laughs> Man, like it was just almost immediate. Like, oh, this is it, it was perfect, right? Just because of the opening of it, with the door creaking, and then the yep. voice, like you know, calling to grandma. Like, yeah, exactly. And then yes, <laughs> and the more I listen to it, it's like yeah, it's there's something that the range he does, like he does do kind of like the. And I'll swallow your soul. Like, he does the, kind of like, that voice in some of his songs. No, I was does. like, oh, fuck. I was just like, oh, it shit. It almost like, feels like there's, yeah. like, characters from the movie in the album yeah. and vice versa. It's mm-hmm. like, and, like, it's kind of uncanny. The wailing to me is just, like, representative of blood to me. So, like, every time you wail, it's just, like, me. I, I just imagine blood just gushing and pouring. Mm. And that, to me, is why I, like, I really appreciate why you picked this album. Because it, it is, like, I don't know. I think I mentioned this earlier. It's their unapologetic. Unapologetic of what they are. They're like, yeah. we are bloody, we're gory. This is what we are. They we keep are doing it through the duration. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And they don't like this is our identity, and we're not gonna let it go. Yeah. And there's there's not a moment in Evil Dead Two or in Them by King Diamond where you're like, this does not sound or feel like this right. movie or album. Yeah. And. It's like, are we, it's the, it kind of goes back to our conversation we were talking about earlier about this movie. I know Austin's here, tired of hearing me talk about Joker. <laughs> about like, it, it was just totally, it worked. Everything was so, in, like, not Joker. <laughs> for Evil Dead and for them, the album, everything tonally just fits perfectly. It's just even that creepy opening works with the 80s wailing and like, yeah. hot, like the, the, the guitar solos and everything that comes along with it. Like, they all fit. And then the blood and the humor and the like, the tree rape somehow all just kind of fits tonally <laughs> with like Evil Dead. But then like movies like you know again like bring it back to Joker, but it's just like when certain scenes happen, like when they try to be comedic, like when he runs into the glass paint, the door, it's just like this comes out of nowhere. You don't mm-hmm. like right? This is a story that's serious about mental health, and then all of a sudden you're trying to make bring comedy into it. Versus like if this was about like absurdity of horror right uh, like if, if this was like pushing limits of like of what a comic book movie could be or of like what mental health issues could be then maybe that like i could see that coming out of nowhere like or it can, it, i could see it not coming out of nowhere excuse me like that would totally make sense but it just they clearly didn't have a vision i just I, i'm tired of shitting on joker I'm, 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 that's not what i'm trying to do i'm just trying to say evil dead 2 is amazing <laughs> and them i think was a great pick to choose because I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, I, I really I the only gripe I will say I have about it though, it is a little each songs are a little long. But I sure. think that's just like 80s music, I feel like because it just like it's it's different from Yeah, now. they took their times with their songs. It, you know what's really funny? Um because I looked into this as well, but them is only like fifty minutes long. And it's that's true. It's a very eleven quick songs, I think. Yeah. Um but I think one of the reasons that the songs feel long is because a lot of them, they are different from each other, but they have the same type of theme to them. Right. So some of them can kind of bleed into each other. And that's another, when I was listening that's to true. them again today, I, I did notice that again. And one thing actually that I, so I picked them before I rewatched Evil Dead. 
I'd seen Evil Dead several times before I picked this album, but then when I rewatched it, one of the biggest things that I noticed that was a little different in tone from them was that Evil Dead 2 has these very distinct moments where it's pretty silent and there's a lot of buildup that's going on. You have these kind of peaks and valleys that sure. really kind of distinguish Evil Dead and like horror in general, honestly. Like it's there's some shock value and like jump scares, but then there's also some pr- there's like these somber creeping moments. Right. And there are a few of those in them by King Diamond, but at the same time it's it kind of consistently rolls at a uh it's going like 10 through most of the album. Right, yeah, it's going know? full four. Like it, yeah. it does not hold back, which is the same thing of Evil Dead. Yeah, yeah. Like, I 100% agree. Like like it's unabashedful. Like they're just like, "Alright, we're going to do what we're going to do full like full force." Like yeah. yeah, that's definitely what why I definitely think I would forever like in my mind I think I'll always link those two albums because they're just like <laughs> I mean the album and the movie oh yeah oh, yeah exactly those hey two man it's the unofficial album. soundtrack yeah. right yeah hey. what did you think Austin yeah I'm curious. So, no I, I I tend to agree uh, I mean almost the same as Des in in kind of the like holy shit like the moment the song started I'm like and that's why Zach picked this right <laughs> like right off the bat the tone is the same and then but it also has that same energy as the movie right because it could have the same kind of eeriness of it but then it could be a slower tempo and and feel like it's dragging and there are great albums that are like that but it was high tempo and the movie is kind of the same it's it's eerie and it has those moments but it's a high tempo movie i mean there's so many of those like fast camera movements and lots of energy and lots of excitement and and uh so I, i thought like you guys are saying, tonally, I think it it matches really well. Uh, and then going back to your point about, um, you know, the songs seem kind of long or the songs are blending together. I totally agree with that. You know, I think I listened to the album about three or four times this week. And each time I'm listening to it, you know, unfortunately, I'm like in the office like doing work or I'm driving. But it's hard to figure out like what fucking song am I on? Yeah, where, where <laughs> like, are we at in yeah. the story here? And then, uh, and then like after... You know, like maybe I, I get home and I'm like, oh, shit, what song am I on? Oh, I'm, this is like the last song or like, oh, it just started. It's like it's hard to tell because it's such a seamless. It keeps album. going. It just yeah. it, it all plays off each other really, really well. It's almost like a TV show where like if you binge it all at once, you're like, what the fuck did I even watch? And then <laughs> but like if you watch it weekly, you're like, oh, shit, this show is fucking great. Almost like Westworld season two. <laughs> or, you know, like like when you're watching weekly, you're like, OK, OK. And then when you watch it all at once, you're like this season sucks <laughs> like what the fuck was that and, but like not to say this album sucked but i feel like no, it's it just, okay if you album, think it sucks that's okay no, no, I, I definitely don't think that but i think each i think it definitely benefits from just listening it's like each song with some space you know what yeah, i mean like yeah. listening to each song individually and giving it time I, to kind of reflect on i really song. liked um sorry to interrupt man. no 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 you're talking about i was, I, was I uh sorry. i i do i do appreciate a lot of the the and i, I don't want to go keep going back to the tone but like there's just so many tonal aspects of it that just matched really well, you know. So I talked about the tempo already, talked about, um, you know, the eeriness a little bit, but then going to like the falsetto and kind of that unabashed, like you said, un- uh, unapologetic, like over the topness, over topness, you yeah. know, all that kind of stuff with the vocals. I think also fit the super melodic 
dual guitars mm. gives it that operatic feel. Theatric. And, yeah, yeah, very theatrical to where in the movie, there's a lot of those moments too because whether it's the overacting or the crazy ballet headless woman dancing thing, <laughs> like there were moments just like that in the movie. and I, Buckets I, of blood just pouring down. Exactly. No yeah. human has this much blood in <laughs> yeah. them. And, and or like when he shoots the 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 hand in the in the wall and the blood just mm-hmm. like just comes gushing out and and or the I, montages yeah yeah the montages and stuff the and montages. i just think tonally it was such a great fit that it was it was such a great fit that i actually so i actually listened to the album before i watched the film right so mm. i've seen the trailer i've seen the story posters i've heard you guys talk about the film so i kind of already had an understanding of what it was probably like and as I listened to the album right when you recommended it on like Wednesday or whatever, I started listening to it uh, on the way to work. I'm like, oh, if this is what the album is like, I definitely can see what you guys were talking about with the movie. It's just like it was that Mm, that totally identical or that close because I didn't even see the movie and I can already kind of sense what I was getting myself into. And then I start watching the movie and I'm like, oh my God, yep, this is it. And so I kind of had that reverse realization. So like Stefan has seen the movie multiple times and then heard the album's like, oh shit, this is great. And I was basically the opposite. I listened to the album and then I watched the movie and like, and boom, there it is. There's there's the match, right? I mean, when he meets the, when when Ash and uh, when Ash meets, uh, no, not Ash, sorry, when the daughter and her boyfriend meets the two country folk at the bridge, mm, right, that's right. like you know mangled up. And the, the lady's like spitting tobacco juice out. And I was just like, this is so ridiculous. I'm like, what? What is going on in this movie? Who are these characters? Also, the way the bridge is just mangled up. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like a claw. You know? yeah, it's just, it's like, just like so, so over the top, exactly. like cartoony. Like, it was great, man. I, I really enjoyed I really enjoyed watching it and listening to the film. Yeah. Uh, listening to the album. The, and this definitely was a match made in heaven or in hell, I guess. In hell. Yeah. Too, right? <laughs> to, to be in, the, to, in theme. Yeah. But like, it was a perfect match. Yeah. As a as a as a metal fan though, I think it's it was easier for me to get into the album. Mm. And as somebody that's not really into horror movies, it, you know, Evil Dead. As much as I appreciate Evil Dead Two, it's still something. And I, I think I was telling Zach this is, is I still don't know if I would watch it again. Not because it's a bad movie. I just don't know how much I personally enjoy it. So I am interested to seeing. What happens in this journey for myself? You're not sold on horror yet. Not yet. Yeah, I'm really not. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. but I wonder how that's, much. That's of, one of the reasons we have you here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's actually that's, fair. that's, that's true. Fair. But I wonder how much of that has to do with like kind of like not necessarily nostalgia, but like a personal connection that like me and Zach probably have to like horror or metal and vice versa, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like that you you just don't have. That's, unfortunately, that's, I mean, I just don't. So, yeah, I, I don't when I remember seeing a lot of horror movies, to be honest, like. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Like, I, I don't know. Whether, I, that means, whether that means, like you were saying in the first podcast, maybe that means I just haven't been confronting some fears. I, I don't know. Well, here's a question. Since we're still on the early days of this podcast and everything, do you, you remember the first horror movie that you saw? Yeah, there we go. That was The Ring. The Ring? What? Yeah. That was like so 2002. Was like, yeah, like 2002. Like, what the fuck? You were yeah. like 12. Yeah, I, I saw. You were 12. <laughs> yeah, I, that was like a big thing. In, in I was in middle school. We oh, were wait. we were stationed in Japan, yeah, I was and that was a big thing where um, like you did all see the, the original. Kids, 
Huh? You did probably see the original too. Ninety nine. Yeah. yeah. So that's. I, and actually, no, no, no. That it was oh, like two thousand two. It was it was around when I was in middle school, and it was the American version came out. Oh. And oh it was God. basically the movie that all the middle schoolers dared each other to watch at the time. And I remember, not, like I had a hard time. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I had this bed that had this like cubby desk thing because there was a bunk bunk bed. And I slept on the bottom, and there was like this cubby thing that I think was supposed to be a desk or whatever that you can kind of stick your feet in. And so there was kind of a hole here. And I remember the first couple nights that I just stuffed pillows and shit into it because any sort of dark crevice just terrified me. And I think, to be honest, like ever since that movie, I don't really know how many horror movies I've seen. I can yeah. probably count them on one hand. It so can be traumatizing. This is for more sure. in my mind. How do, how do we have the same parents? <laughs> like, I just, that was your first movie in 2002 with The, well, with the Ring. And then mine was The Exorcist when I was like five. Like, what? <laughs> like, how do do we live in a different household? Like, what what fucking happened there? That's really interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe your parents just knew their children. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's that might true. be true too. That is true. Like, but the mummy scared the shit out of me as a kid. And that is not yeah, a scary the mummy. Movie. The only reason why mummy scared me was those fucking roach things. Man. Emotep- yeah, those those stuff. Uh, yeah, the roach things crawling yeah. under your skin. And that was the same time that. Um, uh, Lincoln Park came out with this song "Crawling Under Your Skin," oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's that cannot listen to that song ever since. Okay, follow-up question, Austin. Do you remember the first metal album you heard? That's interesting. So you definitely have more of a history with metal than I do, because yeah. all I mean, my metal comes from you, essentially. Because <laughs> I was, I'm younger than you. I don't. I mean, the first metal albums I remember, like I was saying in the first episode, were probably the, that Unearth album or the Heavier Rise Against, or the ones I remember. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and like, like, because those are the ones I think I bought. But Back in like I'm sure I listened to early to mid two thousands. I mean, so that's the thing, right? I and and this is where Stefan goes back to like, how did we grow up in the same house? Because I, I was definitely the. Like, me and my older brother were definitely sheltered for a while. Like, I didn't listen to, con- like, contemporary music until I was probably in middle school. Until, like, we started lime-wiring stuff and then, like, listening to, like, good Charlotte. Like, oh, shit, man, this is, this is fucking hard. <laughs> you know, and that was, like, you know, 11 yeah. or 12 and people were making, like, mixed CDs. But uh, until then, I was listening to, like, I think the most edgy, like, we thought... Because I was so sheltered, listening to, like, Christian music growing up, I think the first, like, album that I even listened to was, like, NSYNC. Somebody brought, like, an NSYNC album, and my mom was like, you're listening to non-Christian music? I'm like, uh, I don't know. Somebody left the CD, and she's like, all right, whatever. And, like, she kind of just gave up. And then when I started hanging out with my buddy JT, he would buy, like, the Now albums. And I remember listening to, like, the Gorilla song, and I was like... This is Feel Good Incorporated or Clint Eastwood? Clint Eastwood. You'll be Clint Eastwood yeah. back. And, and we were like, what is sunshine in a bag, right? And it was just like, <laughs> anyways, I just had a very sheltered um, music upbringing. Even though my dad, looking back at it now, it's weird because you look at his record uh, his record collection and he's got fucking everything. That's that and meatloaf. Yeah. Like he, I mean, he probably he has, liked Judas Priest. Uh, no, that's that's too demonic. No, 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 no. He's he's a Christian boy. He, and but he's a Korean. Maybe so Crocus salad. Okay, that's why he loved meatloaf. So he probably liked White Snake or something. Oh, no, he loved. He he, oh. he did have a, a thing with like uh, yeah. with like 80s hair metal too. Yeah, because um, he loved Led Zeppelin. That's like his okay. Like, and the Eagles. I think he like loved the Eagles. <laughs> he loves. Shows you uh, like his like 
broad like spectrum of yeah. What else did he like? Uh, he had uh, I mean, he even had Kiss album like uh, Kiss records in his okay. collection. He had a like lot of stuff. Dude, I bet yeah, he. I bet he at some point listened to Judas Priest. No, because Judas did. Priest I'm was sure he not, gave it a listen. They did, they weren't even really satanic back then. But let me ask you this. But oh, sorry, sorry. Going back to your original question though, I don't really know until really until I started hanging out with Nate Dressel. Uh, our friend Nate our Dressel. Our friend Nate. When we started hanging out with Nate, I was like, or he he kind of. We started, I think, discovering like hard rock and then discovering yeah. metal kind of at the same time. That so, was my next question: remember. is what is the first metal album you remember being like? Oh, I, I like this, or I'm this is I'm into this, you know? Or it was there a metal album where you kind of broke through? So I think like I think similarly with most people my age. I think the um, the Philadelphia roll of metal albums, right? Like the that's the that's the sushi roll that gets people into uh, okay. into yeah. sushi, right? I think um, I think it was the Black Album by Metallica. Okay, I, I yeah. really do. I that, think, that's a huge one. I think that album gets a lot. I think that's where a lot of kids go. Is it for me or is it not? Can I go heavier from this? Or is this the heaviest that we'll get, right? So I think Mary, like my wife, I think for her, Black Album, there's a couple songs she's like, oh, I really like these songs. But to her, that's her threshold of, of heaviness. Yeah, you don't want to go me, more than that. And Nate, and I think and other people, I think that was kind of like the album. You're like, oh, this is tight. What else is out there? Like, where? Like, And then you listen to something a little bit heavier. You're like, oh, shit, okay, there's more. And so I would probably say the Black Album. Even okay. though, looking back, it's probably not my favorite Metallica album. That's okay. It doesn't have to be your favorite. But it Just is. Whatever. I think that was yeah. my gateway, man. I think about it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know for you. I, just, no, I, I don't remember if it was the album, but I just <laughs> definitely remember there was a breakthrough moment. And it wasn't necessarily it has to do with me, but it's kind of what to do with like what, kind of your experience with mom. I remember listening to, it was DC 101. I was like listening to radio and I was like blasting it. And uh, System of the Down came on. Mm-hmm. Oh, like my friend they showed me this. that on the radio? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. System oh, yeah. of Back- the Down was huge on the radio. Really? Early oh, to yeah. mid-2000s. Yeah. Toxicity, BYOB, oh, yeah. you know? Like, uh, all that. That's It was huge. And I remember, like, oh, I really like this. And then mom came in my room, and she was like, I don't want you to listen to this type of music. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to it. And she's just, okay. And she like, <laughs> and that was the end of that. And I was like, and it's just very similar to that experience. I'm pretty sure that was like probably like right, like not too much long after that experience yeah. with you. So well, System of a Down, it's really interesting because they got even more theatric mm-hmm. as they went on. I think that's why I love that theatric thing. Cause that yeah. was like my, like, yeah, System of a Down is dope, man. And I think Metallica also because of you though. I think cause like you were into it. I me mean, being the youngest, I was just like, Oh, what are my brothers into? You know? And then I would just kind of yeah. attach onto that. Yeah. So like, Metallica also I do have like the first songs I learned on guitar was like Enter the Sand Man yeah, and exactly, that type of shit. So exactly. like, like uh, metal I think that's also why I have a very soft spot for metal. It's because that's like was my foray into learning how to play guitar. music that wasn't uh, piano. <laughs> <laughs> how about oh I think you talked a little bit about it last time, right? What? Yeah, what did it for me was Iron Maiden. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's um, and I started with their greatest hits, but the first album of theirs that I really got into was their first album, Iron Maiden. And um, it's it's different from what a lot of people connotate with Iron Maiden because they had a different singer, for one, but also they were more punk. 
and just because they were early on in their career and metal wasn't quite as big and there was a lot more kind of overlap with the the english metal and punk scenes mm. and but yeah when the f- there was specifically one song which appropriately enough was called phantom of the opera <laughs> that awesome. really really did it for me i remember hearing that for the first time and thinking and i had just started playing guitar at the time too i need to learn this on guitar as soon as possible and when i do that i can do anything right that's tight wow. um just one other thing about when i started discovering i know it it, it started getting worse at that time because it was probably mid 2000s like 2005 2006 but um i remember really getting into headbangers ball on mtv and just kind of just discovering different metal acts even though they weren't the best uh it was a good way of seeing like what other types of metal were out there and uh and it was a nice way to, to to really i don't know for me to realize that i really enjoyed it um, that had been around since like grunge days, essentially. Yeah. Like Headbangers Ball, I think, started in like '92 or so, yeah. because they had bands like Nirvana and Soundgarden, in addition to bands like Death and yeah. Pantera, and all these super oh. heavy bands mixed with like grunge bands, and even like the the holdovers from hair metal too. Mm. So you just got this really big mix. And you know what? Headbangers Ball might have even started in the 80s, now that I think about it. Mm. Like the late 80s. You just brought up an album that just triggered a memory where I think that was actually the first metal album I bought. Because Black Al- Black the Black album, I think every somebody had it, right? So I just yeah, ripped it. Yeah, because it, it's sold like 15 million yeah, copies. Yeah, exactly. But that Pantera album, I Cowboys think from Hell. Fir- I think Cowboys from yeah. Hell was the first album I bought that was metal, and just that sound, Dimebag. Yeah, was it's... just so much raw energy that as a fourteen-year-old, a fifteen-year-old, you just want to like punch the air. It's like yeah, just hell yeah. <laughs> it's it was ext- it was really different, especially in guitar tone than what oh, yeah. a lot of people heard from both thrash and hair metal and everything because pantera started off interestingly enough as a hair metal band yeah even with dimebag daryl and his brother vinnie paul on the drums they start up as a hair metal band just worshiping kiss and (laughs) cowboys from hell was their fourth album oh shit and that's when they got really heavy and everything changed great great album um all right so we're at 50 minutes so uh I think this this was really fun. I think you guys both picked something as a as a layperson. I mean, something that was really really interesting. I think this was is a great mix. Oh, it was like a fitting first pick, like because yeah. it works so well. Like I think it, it I'm was, glad you picked Evil Dead too, because it was really easy to be like. <laughs> I mean, that was, yeah, it was kind of a softball, like yeah, because like, I was like metal is Evil Dead. Like I said last podcast, it's how someone described it to me. Yeah, someone described it. It was a, metal, great, it was a great and, choice. You know, like, I. It was, yeah. I think you did a great job recommending it, and I think Zach found a great pick, and and that was super fun to talk about, and really listen to you and watch the movie. So, great, great start, Zach. What is the challenge for the next episode? What do you what got, do you for got for It's something very different. So, we, this is an actual. It's an album we listened to two or three weeks ago when we were hanging out. Um, and we got really stoned, mm. uh, which is appropriate for this album. But it is Dope Throne by Electric 
wizard. Mm, okay, yeah. I actually have that written on my phone already. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember. Dope Throne by Dope Throne. Electric Wizard. Electric Wizard is an English band who heavily influenced and was influenced by the doom and stoner metal scenes of the late 80s, early 90s. So it, it it's very different from King Diamond. A lot slower, a lot longer, and in a lot of ways, a lot heavier too. And I've, I've got a couple ideas. I, know, Stephen, I can see his the, the wheels already turning in his head. I think he's gotten. I think he's got probably like four or five. Yeah, just, he it's wants to watch hard. Yeah, I, I gotta listen to the album first though. Yeah, but just from what you described to me. I'm yeah, I'm excited it right now on Spotify. It is. It it's an album that takes its time, mm. for sure. There are long stretches where you i mean for one thing it's called dope throne so it encourages you to be under so, the influence uh-oh. of something <laughs> right. while you're going through this album and there are long stretches of time within a lot of songs which are probably average around like 10 minutes per song all right where you're just left with this ambience that i don't know it just makes you it makes me think about just being in an open field and staring into an empty sky with nothing but a full moon <laughs> shining down above you. He's got so many thoughts. It's great. This is great. I don't want to. I think my recommendation is going to get weird. Like I, I don't good. think this is going to be like I, I don't think it's going to be a movie you've probably seen. All right, like, let's, from what you're uh, describing good. to me, I think I like I think I know what direction. Yeah, give is. give that album a good listen and yeah. then find Honestly, a couple movies and hopefully in a few days you give us the rec and uh, we'll see. Huh? We'll see how you did. Um, I'm excited. Uh, so our last segment uh, for the podcast, uh, we're going to go read through our fan mail. Stefan, what do we got? So today's fan mail, we have nothing. Um, that's it. Okay. All right. Great. Uh, I think it's a great episode, everybody. Thanks for listening. And uh, this episode was sponsored by Mexican Beer and Tequila. And a Cosmonauts Ruin. Hell yeah.